Blog Talk Radio. In much less detail, the podcast where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here are your hosts, Jay and Dre. Y'all know what time it is. It is time for In Much Less Detail, the podcast. Here with you live on a Wednesday night, November the 14th, 2018. I'm Dre, he's Jay. It is a wintry wonderland down here in the Mid-South in beautiful Memphis, Tennessee. And it's been a winter winter wonderland up there in Wisconsin where Jason is for quite a while now, so they're used to it. Uh, We were kind of surprised by it, even though it had been forecasted. So a little bit of running and panic in the streets uh, down here because we're not used to snow at all. But uh, everybody's home safe and sound if you're used to us being on Wednesdays at 10 o'clock Central, 11 o'clock Eastern. Uh, we're on one hour earlier than we normally have to do on Wednesdays because my bowling league was canceled because we had two snowflakes in the air and just running and panic in the streets when you have two snowflakes in the air in the Mid-South. So that's how it goes. That's why we're here a little earlier. Uh, Jay, you had some connection issues earlier. You were breaking up. So hopefully you're back and sounding better than you were before. I sure hope so. Oh, yeah, you're nice and clear now. Good. Yeah, so, yeah, just disconnect and reconnected to the uh, the high-fidelity line, you know, ha-ha-ha. I see your quotation marks, even though we're not on a yeah, webcam. Yeah. I can still yeah. see them. <laughs> <laughs> high-fidelity. Well, and so, yes. the best solution to every computer problem, shut it down, start it back up. That's see right. Unplug it and plug it back in. <laughs> Yes. You call any IT guy, and that's what they'll tell you the first thing to do. Ah, just you know, just plug it in, unplug it, and plug it back in again. Did, did you turn it off and turn it on? <laughs> yeah. No. no, I just disconnected from the uh, hi-fi line and called right back in, and it, it, all the problems were solved. So it could have just been a could have been a bad connection. There you have it. Uh, we had a pretty good connection in week ten, all things considered. Uh, I was nervous as hell about all those games with the big point spreads and trying to figure out which favorites are going to come through and which ones are going to collapse. But uh, we both went over 500 against the spread, and I'm damn proud of that. You topped me by one game thanks to that atrocious Monday nighter that the Giants came out on top, so you won that. So gave you an 8-5 in one week over my 7-6 in one. Uh, But even though I dropped the game to you, I'm still damn happy about being over 500 in that week with with all those crazy games on on the docket there. Yeah, we were talking about that when we were making the picks about, you know, how, my God, how many touchdown or more spreads did we have to sort of navigate through this last weekend? Yeah, I I, I will not give that back. I will definitely take uh, every win that we got last weekend. Yeah, it, it, I texted you, you know, that it was kind of bad that our week ended up coming down to that Monday nighter. Which, which was which was the only thing that made me have any interest at all in that game was the fact that one of us was going to win the week over the other just based on that that Giants 49ers game but uh, I guess I'll claim the geniusness on that one for uh, calling the uh, the Nick Mullins falls back down to earth um 
move there. And it just goes to show you how bad the Raiders really are. <laughs> Man, well, we kind of know. We, we know. I don't think there's but, any, uh... I mean, the Giants are bad. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Giants yeah. are really bad, but the Raiders are a whole different level of bad. Right, and that was my and, mistake. I thought the Giants might be a comparable level of bad, and <laughs> there, there's nothing comparing to Murga right now. Yeah, no, so the Giants got a little bit of pressure, just enough pressure on Nick Mullins to get him to throw a couple of a uh, couple of ugly throws, one in his own uh, territory that ended up turning into points for the Giants, and then the Giants go on the uh, game-winning drive late that actually pulled that out of push status, mm-hmm. which would have been fitting. Um but Eli Manning connects with uh, Sterling Shepard at the end there. And again, though, throwing at the goal line, my favorite uh, Giants down there, but they, they managed to connect on that. So that was all right. And then uh, of course they let the, the 49ers come down and uh, at least have shots at then coming back and also winning the game. My fear was that the 49ers were going to score with no time left. And then the Giants will pull one of those moves where they, you know, just kind of stand around while the 49ers just run in a two-point conversion, <laughs> which we've seen happen. We've seen it happen. It's it's rare, but it has happened. Uh, one of the, I believe maybe the very first time back when I was, all these years I was keeping the uh, the, the picks, uh, keeping track of it on pen and paper uh, ever since, what, high school or so. Um, where you were keeping track of it for a long time, and then I sort of took over the duties. Yeah. But all those years, I had never had to go to the whiteout because I had uh, incorrectly put a result of a score down. But there was a game that they uh, the team got the last second touchdown to win, um, but you had to go through the trouble of kicking the extra point. And I'm not going to remember all the details, but the team was like a two-and-a-half-point favorite. They went up one with the touchdown with no time left on the clock. And the other team was so disgusted giving up the game-winning touchdown with no time left, they just left. And so yeah, they the didn't even that, send anybody out there, yeah. So the team that had the, the PAT, there's literally no defense there. They said, what the hell, we're just going to walk it in and take two uh, instead of just taking one. And therefore, they win by three and cover the two-and-a-half-point spread. And I had already X'd out that team uh, as the, the favorite because, oh, they, they pulled out the great win, but they didn't cover the spread. Oh, look. There's no defense on the field. They're going to get to and cover the spread. That there is some people out there that will probably never forget either losing or winning money on that particular play, and they know the details of that like the back of their hand. Um, and they can. Uh, I don't know if I want to encourage them to call in, but they can email the the story of that particular game if you remember the details and you remember what happened. Tell us our, our story, uh, and you, we will absolutely relay that story on the next show. Uh, email that to inmuchlessdetail at gmail.com, because I know some people out there, either one or – that's one of the greatest bad beats of all time. Uh, I, I can't imagine having money on that game. I remembered it was an East Coast game. I, I do remember that it was somewhere up in the Northeast, so I think it was like a, a Buffalo or one of those types of teams. I, I do remember that sort of involvement in that game because I was the one who ended up losing that pick <laughs> off of that. And it's almost always you. you you've you've right. suffered some of the some of the rare forms of defeat um, or, or, or like the soul crushing ones. But no, that one that one definitely got me. And that was yeah, I believe you're right. It was like the Bills against somebody, and uh, yeah, Buffalo had the touchdown to win, but 
nobody came out to defend the, the PAT, so they just said, oh, we'll, we'll take the two. It's it's free. Yeah. It's right there for us. Why not? Uh, anyway. Uh, so and then had we, like, I'm surprised Vegas didn't explode after that. I'm, I'm sure it did. I'm sure some casinos probably did explode and have to clean up some property damage after that. Uh, so we, we get off in a little Kings of Non-Secular before we even get our recap show started. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how uh, loopy or loosened I'm going to be. It's been a long, uh, since the last show, it's been a long week, just all the craziness at my job. So hopefully I can keep it together and stay awake and, and get through uh, this recap. But it, there's definitely a couple games that I've watched live that I, I definitely want to talk, talk about and break down in, in great, I guess, detail. Um, and that's uh, we we got of course the Patriots Titans game down here yeah. in Tennessee. Obviously, although there's been some Tennessee games that were so not on the radar that we didn't even get that game here in in the state of Tennessee, which is hard to believe. Um, and then of course uh, the Seahawks and the Rams, obviously the game of the week that people were looking forward to. Um, that wound up being very uh, uh, interesting for a couple of different reasons, but. Uh, what did you want to get into? Did you uh, catch either one of those two games? I caught bits and pieces of everything. Um, you know, being that we had an after the Packer game suddenly got moved to the afternoon. Nobody knew. Nobody knew here in Wisconsin, apparently, that, I, that I'm that i affiliated with or that I know that the Packer game got moved from noon to three. Oh. I mean, it was it was noon like all week. I mean, I remember I was I was at the gas station that morning and people were talking about yeah, Packers are on at noon. And then I get to work and uh, one of my coworkers is like, no, that that guy that game got moved to three fifteen. Like, what? Okay. Surprise. So, yeah. So so basically that meant that I got to red zone uh, for the first three hours, which I love, which is better than having to sit there and watch the Packers Dolphins game. So yeah. I got to see actually, you know, a lot, you know, red zone is just so addictive that I, you know, I got to watch so much of the action. Um, but that Tennessee, New England game, I mean, that, there was no winning ugly in that one for the Titans. They they just straight up whooped the Patriots, whooped them up was, and down the field. It's a different kind of ugly. It was, it was manhandling yeah. ugly. Yeah. And uh, Marcus Mariota is like a totally different guy now. Yeah, he had some real good plays. He 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 still plays within himself. Uh, he doesn't really try to go crazy and make unbelievable, spectacular plays. He doesn't have the confidence to try to do that yet. Uh, but he's he's opening up a little more. He's trusting his targets a little more. Uh, you can tell that he's enjoying not having you know uh, Richard Matthews and some other uh, guys that. Now, those are his best targets in the last few years. He's enjoying having some actual athletes as receivers, and he's and he's trusting them a little more. Yeah, and then that Titans defense was definitely up to the challenge. Um, I, I'm not going to make any sense of the fact that you know that the two of the Patriots' three losses has been to the, the the former Belichick guys, so they must know the system. And the reason I'm not putting any stock into that is because up until this season, Belichick had owned previous coaches that he'd had to go up against. So all of a sudden, it's not like Matt Patricia and Mike Vrabel leave and they have the insight on how, you know, the, how to unlock the secret of beating the Patriots. No, well, everybody knows the secret of beating the Patriots. You know, get ahead on Tom Brady. Move there him off the spot. That's it. 
that that's that's the way to beat the Patriots. Every team that's managed to unlock the secret or manage Tom Brady into having a bad game has been able to get him moving. He wants to just stand there and pick you apart. As soon as you start making him have to shuffle around or move up, uh, it's totally different. And those receivers aren't getting any separation. And the Titans secondary played one one hell of a game um, on the way to an absolute blowout win over the Patriots, which makes makes it start looking like at this point in the season that the Patriots, um, you know, if things shake out the way that the schedule and the standings are right now, We'll have to see something that we haven't seen in a while, and that might be the Patriots playing on Wild Card Weekend. Hmm. Well, that's very interesting that they wouldn't be one of the top two AFC seeds. It's, it's probably been a long time since that's happened. Yeah, it'd be number three right now, and only by a game uh, over Houston. Well, I don't. I guess I don't have to read this long breakdown of the game. You just covered everything, but no, I'll, oh, I'll go through it anyway. <laughs> Mean to ruin it for you there. <laughs> oh, that's, that's that's good. No, it was another former Patriot compadre uh, kicking Tom Brady's ass. This time it was Mike Vrabel and and and, and not Matt Patricia. I don't think there's anything necessarily to it either, but it is just kind of something to note that both times uh, that Belichick goes into Detroit this year and they get whooped, and now goes into Tennessee and they get whooped. I wish I would have seen this one coming. I saw the Detroit one coming, but I did not yeah. see this one coming. Um, but, yeah, you, you pretty much called it a Tennessee defense uh, rushed Tom Brady with defenders. Uh, they, they put no hands on the ground the entire game just about. So New England had no idea who to block, and it was obvious that they were confused and, and the coverage, the, the protection coverages were not picking up who they were supposed to be picking up. It, it seemed so simple, uh, but you got to have some organization to pull that off. And, and Brabo had his guys or organized so you definitely give him credit for that but the the momentum of that game started uh, on a great opening kickoff return by Darius Jennings and sometimes that's all it takes just start the game great uh the the very first play from scrimmage after that the failing New England defense hashtag sad takes the field they're already backed up the first play Mariota hooks up a Corey Davis for 24 yards so it, it, the ball's rolling Deion Lewis running hard versus his old team uh, Mariota finds the tight end Janu Smith for the touchdown, and there it is. They're off and running, and it feels like the Patriots didn't really recover from just a, a hot beginning. And then the first play, this is very important, the first play from scrimmage for New England, it was very big. James White has been running the same pattern all season long. It's this, I, I call it sort of a forward flat pattern. He's not out in the flat necessarily. He's about four yards forward in the flat. And once all the receivers clear that zone, he's just standing there wide open. And he, it's basically like a running play that Brady just pitches it out forward to him. Even, even if he got stopped, he's gaining four yards, but he's rarely stopped because he's got momentum going forward. He makes a move on whatever linebacker is scrambling, trying to cover that. And it winds up being a big play. They've been running that play all damn year. And white's been getting huge yardage with that. The first play from scrimmage for new England is that throw, to white four yards forward in the flat and it got absolutely destroyed by Kenny Vaccaro. And I don't think Brady threw that ball there the rest of the game. I, th- I think they had to abandon that. I'm sure uh, he, he hit James white in the flat a few times after that, including a touchdown, but I don't think that particular pattern where he's been starting with sort of a four yard head start or, or advantage. 
I don't think Brady threw that again because he got destroyed. He got blowed up on that play, and I don't think Brady wanted to hang him out to dry again like that. So that was huge to, to sort of alter. It felt like alter the New England game plan a little bit by saying, hey, we're going to have a guy here waiting for that. Very, very tight coverage the rest of the game by the Titans. They did not let the Patriots get into their patterns and, and get into all their pick plays and rub plays and get out in open space. And, and, and of course, what happens after that? Third down, you guys aren't finding room. Brady has to hold it a little, a little longer. Time to bust him in the fucking mouth. Time to go get Tom Brady, put a hat on him, like you said. Uh, and, and that was it. Uh, it, it sometimes it just it, it's that simple. It gets started early. And the the ball gets rolling, and you look up, and the Patriots had ten points in the first quarter there, and did not score again the rest of the game. Uh, it, Mariota did make some terrific throws, but uh, it really was about the physical domination of the Titans in, in that game. Uh, and like I said, it wasn't winning ugly, it wasn't losing ugly, it was manhandling ugly because it was still ugly, even though it was a beatdown. But uh, it was ugly, but it was sort of beautiful in its own way, and. Uh, all credit to the Titans. They beat the hell out of the Patriots. Yeah, and, and even though, uh, you know, after the game it was all about, you know, Deion Lewis uh, talking about his former team and talking some crap, it was good to see. I mean, I'm not a Titans fan, but, I you know, I did pick the Titans to make some hay here, at least make the playoffs. Uh, Derrick Henry reappeared. It was a Derrick Henry sighting out there, yeah. Was, there, there was an absolute Derrick Henry sighting. He didn't have a, he didn't get a lot of touches, but he made the most of them. And on a day when the Titans, especially on the defensive side, were you know beating the the Patriots about the head and, and head and neck and ears, uh, here comes Derrick Henry to just you know ram it right down their throats too. So you know it was a that was a total domination from start to finish. And, and, and I felt bad for Julian Edelman. I'd never seen a guy so covered. I mean, he had a lot of catches, but he, he worked for every single thing he got in that game, and a lot that he didn't. Yeah, it's all bloodied up and his elbows yeah. scratched, and yeah, he, he looked like he had been in a dogfight out there. Yeah, he went to work. I mean, he he, you know, you look at the stats, you look at the numbers, you know, nine for one hundred and four. It's like, oh wow, yeah, he had one hell of a game. No, he earned every single bit that he got in that game. And that's the best way to use Derrick Henry, it looks like, is, is sort of reserve him until late in the game when the defense is already tired and then unleash him. And the Patriots could, had no chance to stop yeah. him in the second half. So that was about but as it, perfect a game, really, for, as the Titans could play. Yeah, and, but we haven't seen that really with the Titans because they, have, <laughs> they haven't really had many leads or, right. know, or, 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 where they've been in a position to do that. So it'd be interesting to see how they come off of this. You know, you come off a big win like that, you know, this just normally would fall into letdown territory. So it'll be really interesting to see what they do uh, this week now, you know, and they're, they're coming off uh, this and they're playing, they're going to play the, uh, the Colts big game for them. Oh, huge game. Yeah. They're trying to, trying to climb back in that, in that division race, trying to, someone's got to try to catch Houston now. Yeah, it was when Andrew Luck was at his peak a, a couple years ago. Th- this was the matchup that anytime the Colts needed to get right, they go and picked on the Titans. It was sort of a little brother concept or a sunning deal yeah. there. And Luck's still sort of working his way back. We don't know if it's going to be the same, but uh, he's going to give it a try. Uh, but I think the Titans are, are a different bunch now. So they, they should give the Colts uh, quite the fight. 
uh, but it's not going to be easy either way. I think both teams are sort of peaking right now and playing uh, their best ball. And yeah, that's actually going to be a, a very good matchup. Yeah. It does, that division has gotten a lot more interesting. You know, you have the Colts go up over the Jags, even though we were both big on the Jags and it was a push. So it's like, we didn't pick at all. Um, I, I still have a bad, you know, even though we both pushed on it and it, it, it's really no harm, no foul as far as the pick goes, and that sort of put the tor- the final torpedo in the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, they're, they're not coming back from this. No, the defense is officially overrated. If there was any yep. question, uh, this this sealed it to come off a bye and, and get absolutely uh, lit up by the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, and, you know, th- 300 and whatever yards, 350 yards of offense doesn't seem like lit up, but – some of those plays were so like wide open and it's like, what are you doing out there? Like the, the Jaguars don't look anything like the defense from last year. I don't I have no idea what happened in the off season, uh, but they're all discombobulated. And I don't know if they're going to get it together or when they're going to get it together, but yeah, three and six is a, is a really bad place to be uh, this late into the season, but seven games to work it out. It's still, it's possible uh, but I don't think it's feasible that the Jaguars will turn it around this year. Yeah, that would be that would be asking for a lot for our, for our Super Bowl pick, and they they get the rematch this week against the Steelers. And, um, uh, not the not the time you want to be catching the Pittsburgh Steelers. If, if the Jags can't get up for this one, it, you know they go to three and seven. Forget it. And I was looking forward to that on the schedule all year. Like, oh, sure. all right. The, the Jaguars get to reassess and reaffirm what they did to Pittsburgh in two separate occasions last year and make sure that they know, hey, this wasn't a fluke, and now you got to come in our house, and we're really going to hand it to you. And it's not yeah. looking like it's going to go anything like that right now. And now. And, and, and they're going to do it to them in prime time. Oh, um, oh well, oh, no. not, not quite, because uh, as we discussed before, Jacksonville at or under 500 – not yeah. a prime time draw, so they're yeah. gonna get flexed out of that with the quickness. Yeah. So we're probably. I gotta say, with Bears, Vikings, Rams, Chiefs, uh, this could be the best Sunday night, Monday night combo of the year. It, it's it's in contention. There's no doubt about that. That Monday nighter, of course, we've been looking forward to that for two months yeah. now. Yeah, for a while. <laughs> oh, and not gonna be in Mexico anymore. We don't have to worry about. Uh, any weird field shenanigans or slipping yeah. and tripping and all of that stuff that will, that field was so in disarray that they just said, fuck this. And now they're going to play that in LA like they're supposed to play. So it's always uh, funny. You get that new market in LA. Hey, we love you. We love LA. We're back. Everybody. We're so happy to, Oh, by the way, we're going to rape you of two home dates every year. One for the Chargers and one for the Rams, because we really don't think you're all that. And we're going to play games in England and Mexico and Ecuador and Jupiter and Mars and anywhere, but in the stadium, because we just don't really think all that much about you, but Hey, we love you anyway. You know, and, and, and the field stuff aside, you almost have this feeling like this game was so big that it, it, you didn't want it on a neutral site. We might see these two right. teams at a neutral site anyways. You never know. 
No, I agree. I felt the same way. Like, man, that's going to be an incredible Monday night game. It's what? It's in Mexico? What the yeah, fuck? And, huh? And, and you almost give an advantage to the road team, quote-unquote road team, um, in the Chiefs here in this point, having to go to the neutral site because they're not going to have to go and play in front of the, the Rams' home fans. Exactly. It will not be a, a home field feel for the Rams, yeah. no matter how much they make it feel like it would be. Yeah, so... I, I, I have a feeling this this might not have all been just field conditions. I'm I'm going to go tinfoil hat on this one. Uh oh, you're calling uh, shenanigans. I'm calling shenanigans. It's the NFL. I mean, they're not above it. They're not above it. Um, I was reading some reports that said some players thought that the field conditions were that bad. They're going to boycott the game. So that might have forced the hand. If you've got <laughs> okay. star players that basically say, I'm going to not yeah. go at all, that's uh, that's that's a different deal. Uh, WWE, if you, I'm sure you have not been keeping up, but they had a, an event in Saudi Arabia a couple weekends I, I ago. I did know all about that. And a couple of guys said, you know what, fuck this. Crown Jewels or whatever it was. Yes, that's, that's more than I thought you knew. You. I, you're keeping up thank with that. You. Well, that was a big and, deal, uh, you know. Yeah, they wouldn't allow the women to wrestle there. Hey, see, you don't, you, you don't think I know, <laughs> but that's part of my, that's part of my shtick. Well, the 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 women not being able to wrestle and all that was bad enough, but then they yeah, went another. Then you had the the Khashoggi thing with the Saudi Arabia, you know, disappearing Effingham style that journalist too, <laughs> right before the event. If they wanted that this was, guy to disappear, they should have just taken him to Effingham. If they could have, they would have, I'm sure. But they didn't <laughs> They didn't have to. He showed up Literally on the, their doorstep, and they yes. said, oh, good. We get to murder him and chop up his body. All right. Clearly, clearly um, the crown prince, Ben Salman, doesn't listen to our show. Otherwise, he would have known the proper way to make someone disappear <laughs> is take him to a truck stop in Effingham, Illinois, in the middle of the night. And you make the bus full of people look one way and then you look back the other way and say, wait, what happened? Where'd they go? What? <laughs> no, so, so that's next level bad Saudi stuff. And yeah. WWE is getting so much money from Saudi Arabia. They ran the event anyway. Well, John yeah. Cena was scheduled for the event. Daniel Bryan was scheduled for the event. Both of them said, you know what? I'm not going. Fuck this. I don't care how much money is on the line. I'm not going. Um, and they ran the event anyway, because they're getting so much money that it, it, it didn't matter. It, you, you pretty much the whole uh, the whole roster would have had to boycott the thing for them not to run it, but for this this is different for Monday Night Football. Uh, they're not getting a whole shit ton of money from Mexico to run this game, uh, so they don't care about canceling that particular right. date. They can, you know, they can just say whatever and thumb their nose at Mexico and move the game back to L.A. It doesn't really affect them too much. So yeah, it's a it's a different situation. If you got stars boycotting this game. And you can just move it back to L.A. Yeah, why not? Just just go ahead and move it back and avoid any kind of issues. Uh, I don't blame the NFL for doing that. No, and I think – and also just from a right and wrong point, I, I think it's the right thing for the Rams to have such a big game like this in front of their own fans. Sure. Um, I don't know if they thought L.A. was going to be this big a deal. Uh, if, if they thought the Rams were going to be this good or, or, the, or the Chargers. 
so they're going to have to find someone else to take home dates away from uh, in the future. Maybe Buffalo or, or the, the Jets, Jets or something like that. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> Dolphins. I mean, you gotta, there's, there's teams just waiting in line who's home fan. You know, the Raiders. Oh, well, they, you know they did I that too. The Raiders should just skip Oakland next year <laughs> and just play all their games in Mexico City and London. And, and Vegas, even though the stadium isn't built yet, just go to go to the minor league baseball stadium and say the hell yeah. with it. Yeah, they, they can play it. They can play in uh, at UNLV or something. There you go. Uh, so yeah, speaking of the Rams, uh, they had the uh, Seahawks and they yeah. beat the Seahawks again. However, the Seahawks covered again for the it's second like time. Like we said, year. they would, and you had that locked. So good for you. But uh, no, it, it was. Uh, Pretty much the way we called it, the Rams cannot stop the run Ooh. at all. Uh, this was uh, this was bad, man. This was uh, Seattle running backs just running past interior defenders with impunity, and that's a real problem for LA. And we've been saying that for a while, but it was uh, as much on display in this game as you could possibly get. You start with Mike Davis, first play of the game, just running. Uh, right up the middle with no problem. Rashard Penny uh, reeled off some nice runs. Some of them were completely untouched because there were no defenders out there. Uh, Russ Wilson had no problem picking up big yards with his legs, running option plays, uh, taking off when he had to. All of that was right there, and and it was a huge, huge factor. However, uh, 273 rushing yards on the day for the Seattle Seahawks. 273. That's huge. But that's not why they covered the spread and they had a chance to win the game. That actually isn't why it's actually the big reason why is because LA kept extending Seattle drives with defensive penalties at the worst possible times. The Rams kept having undisciplined defensive penalties and different kinds of penalties too. It was just a litany of defensive penalties, uh, Russell Wilson has an incompletion on the opening drive on third down, which you get him off the field. But Corey Little then hit him at the knees. So there's a flag to extend that drive, to go on to score a touchdown on that drive. Marcus Peters had an interception in the third quarter. Got erased because that same person, Marcus Peters, held Doug Baldwin before the interception came. So kind of cancel that out. Uh, Same drive, incompletion on third down again. But Dante Fowler got an unsportsmanlike flag for bitching at the referee. Do you know how hard you have to bitch at a referee to get flagged in the NFL? This isn't baseball where you got Joe West and his sensitive ass that wants to throw you out of the game every time you look at him funny. The NFL refs get so much stuff said to them and thrown at them in the course of a game and let 99% of it just go. But Dante Fowler just kept barking and kept barking and kept barking. I don't know what he was barking about. And eventually the referee just threw the flag and said, all right, it's enough of that. Just just shut up. Uh, so that extends that drive. Uh, ultimately, uh, they score a touchdown on that drive, a play-action home run to Tyler Lockett to take the lead. That sequence got to Seattle really the, the, the spread, even though the Rams went on to uh, get the lead back and, and were covering the spread. Seattle got a late touchdown to, to get the backdoor cover. But that particular sequence, because Seattle was on their way off the field and the Rams were – uh, going to take take over and probably cover the spread and, and sort of push things forward from that point. I think they were on their way to 
uh, not a maybe a, a blowout, but I think they were on their way to co- covering the spread. But that sequence, uh, Seattle, they got them the spread. It would have been a deciding sequence, sequence if the Seahawks had went on to win the game. That would have been it right there. You get two different penalties on a third-quarter drive, and eventually the Seahawks score a touchdown. L.A. cannot be that way on defense. They can't keep doing that. As much as the bad run defense is going to get them uh, on the on the wrong side when it matters the most, and you know when it comes playoff time, being undisciplined like that that's really going to fuck up a, a championship level offense uh, when you do that type of stuff. You can't keep doing that. No, and we've we've been seeing this from the Rams a lot. They they're winning a lot of burn burner type games. They're they're not blowing anybody out anymore. You know, their their defense especially their run defense is so bad, it's going to keep them in games. This is the second time now, I believe this also was against the Packers, where they had the spread covered, you know, strictly from a point spread standpoint, where they've had big spreads covered and then just kind of let the other teams score. I mean, that last drive that they let Seattle go on, I mean, they didn't, their defense wasn't even trying on that last drive against Seattle, the, the Seattle just marched right down the field, and you almost kind of had a feeling like, like they would, because the, the touchdown that the Rams got uh, to take the lead, uh, or at least to get to that thirty-six twenty-four, where they all of a sudden, you know, now they've got that spread covered, was because the, there was a strip sack on of uh, Russell Wilson. Dante Fowler got in there. The recent yeah. acquisition, Dante Fowler, went in there and did what he does really well and gets the strip sack, and now now L.A.'s got the lead. But from that point, the, the Seahawks just marched right back down on the field on them. I mean, they, the Rams could have lost that game. Mm-hmm. It, was, was it, uh, it wasn't for some, you know, some fortuitous defensive plays or a strip sack like that. You know, it, it is very possible because that touchdown, you know, at that point when they got the strip sack, they were the Rams were losing by five. No, I'm sorry. They were they were up by five. The Rams were only up right. by five, and Seattle had the ball. So there was nothing to tell you that if they didn't get that, that they were going to be able to stop Seattle from going down there, and uh, potentially, you know, getting that to within two or taking the lead. Rams defense was just as bad as the Seattle defense was because the Rams offense was very good. Again, again, but the defense is is going to mess yeah. things up when it comes time, and this is why I, I worry uh, for the Rams. I do. This is why that Monday night game has got the highest point spread in the history of the NFL. It's somewhere in the low 60s, depending on where what book you're going to. Uh, and 63 it's be- is what I'm seeing right now. And it's because both the Rams and the Chiefs will score in an instant on you and will let you come right back and score in an, inst- yeah. an instant on them. Yeah, these so, teams, uh, they're almost mirror images of each other, the Rams and the so. Chiefs. If it's 35-35 in the fourth on Monday night, do not be surprised. Just cash your over ticket and, and just keep smiling. Yeah, that's, that's a big number, you know, and they, they set that number high because they're, 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 they're begging people to take the, the under. They're just begging them. I think it's, it's a sucker bet. I, I think it is. I and there's been a lot of games in the past where that have had huge numbers that wound up coming under uh, sure. because teams will drive and keep driving and keep driving because the defense can't stop them, uh, but they won't go for the home run. They'll just take what's there and just keep driving. A lot of those Patriots games that have huge over-unders wind up going under because the Patriots just put together a 10-minute drive because they know that they can take whatever they want and they don't have to go for the, the long touchdown at any point. 
this is different. The, the Chiefs and the Rams want to go for the long touchdown all the time because that's what they do. Uh, so that's why I think this over-under should be uh, a lot to be over because I think both offenses and both quarterbacks are pretty much always looking for the, the big play. And I right. don't think the Rams or the Chiefs are going to stop it. That we're already highlighting our highlight game. <laughs> I haven't given away a pick. I don't. I actually don't know who I'm picking yet. But it's yeah, a t- it's, it's, it's a cop out line, so you, you know yeah, it's, it's it's not it's, surprised. Yeah, it, Vegas just threw their hands up on this one. They're like, ah, you guys uh, figure it out. Three. What, what are you gonna yeah. do? Three. They didn't try very hard on this one. <laughs> Uh, but they, uh, hey, they don't have to. If they if they set out three and they're getting action on both sides, they don't have to do nothing. They just have to sit there and rake in the money. Count the money. That's right. Uh, so damn these big point spreads. Uh, the the other big story of the week was all these huge spreads and the yeah. the underdogs. Uh, Seattle, uh, Arizona. We you know sixteen and a half. And I and I said I was scared of it because the last big spread like that was Buffalo against Minnesota. And Arizona didn't win the game this time, but they cover against Kansas City. And the Chiefs dominate the game and still don't cover because 16 and a half is a huge fucking number, and we should have known that, but we took the Chiefs anyway. Uh, yeah, and the Chiefs just they just weren't really trying. They didn't yeah, have to. they didn't to. care. They, right, they, exactly, they, they, they didn't yeah. have to. They, they didn't have to do anything. They, they, just had to, they just had to show up. And Arizona kind of hung around, and you just you knew they weren't going to win the game. And it, yeah, it, it was definitely one of those just you know the, the the Chiefs showed up, they took care of business, and they moved on. And that was, and that was it. And that was it. I tried to uh, ascribe the Buffalo covering to, uh, hey, don't take these big point spreads early in the season because nobody's that quite quite that good that early in the year. Well, this isn't early in the season, but it was just a situation you could just tell, as you just said. The Chiefs were just going through the motions. Uh, Tyreek Hill was so bored that he scored the touchdown, runs up in the crowd and grabs a camera and starts filming everybody on the field. I mean, if that's not bored, I don't know what is. Uh, So, yeah, they were just there. They are just going through the motions, and they knew they had that game won no matter what the score was, so they didn't care about the spread at all. So. Uh, I, so one, one of these huge spreads before the year is out is going to get covered by a favorite. I just don't know which one. I don't know exactly what to look for to take a favorite. I guess maybe yeah. a favorite that has something to prove or something on the line. But right now, but Kansas City had nothing on the line in this game, so we, we should have recognized that. Yeah. Well, and, um, you know, on the Packers, the Packers were given a huge number and covered. So we were on the wrong side of uh, that one. <laughs> right. Uh, you know the one I want to, the one I think we should pat ourselves on the back for is the one that was all that was the big upset of the week. Oh right, let's watch the sports media on uh, on Monday. Oh my God, and we were both all over the Cowboys. Right? How can the Super Bowl champions uh, not oh, yeah. win this game big? The Cowboys are just trash, and and the Eagles are, <laughs> are on their way up. The, the their arrow is pointing up. Yeah. Um, well, maybe not. <laughs> everything lined up for the Eagles in this game. And when I see one of those where everything is going one way and the narrative is going that way and, you know, the Cowboys just got decimated by the Titans and, you know, Jason Garrett's going to get fired and Dak Prescott's a piece of shit and all this stuff is going on. And you just, it's all, man, it's just a tire fire for the Cowboys. And they come out and uh, they, they pretty much dominated that game against the Eagles. Um, I predicted 
for the Cowboys as a team between 170 and 180 on the ground. They got 171. I I don't want to pat myself on the back too hard, but I mean, come on. I I, I completely nailed that one. I nailed how the the Cowboys winning it, and I nailed how they were going to do it, which is gas the the Eagles on the ground and go back to Ezekiel Elliott and and go back to what they know is best. And this is why Jason Garrett is a terrible coach. Uh, You know what you're good at. Just do that until it gets stopped and then make adjustments and find something else to do. But he's so eager to get off of Ezekiel Elliott and try to force Dak Prescott to be better, which he, he, he tries, but he can't cause he's not that good. But this is the situation where the, the week before is the first game with Amari Cooper and you got your new toy and you got to try to use Dak Prescott to Amari Cooper as much as you can. And you wind up losing that game because you forget about this Ezekiel Elliott guy who's kind of good. And here it is Sunday night. You get back to Ezekiel Elliott. You get back to gashing on the ground, and you do what you're supposed to do. And, oh, look at that. You win the game. And, oh, by the way, the Cowboys have some really good young players on defense, too, that had a lot to do with it. Yeah, and it's not just a pat on the back to us for having the cover. We both said on the show, Cowboys will win. Yes. Seven-and-a-half-point dogs, and and they won the game outright, and, and we had the money line. Yeah. So that that's it's it, that's not too often that we will both go out of our way to call a winner, uh, especially with that big of a number, because we don't need the win, right? <laughs> right? We we're not doing this picking straight up. If we were just picking straight up, that would have been noteworthy for us both taking a team that was that big of a dog to just have the straight up win. Um, yeah, that that felt pretty good, and I thought that yeah, the Cowboys definitely when they. Like you said, when they stick to what they know and what to, what they're good at. Because what they're good at and what they know are two different things. They're good at running the football, and they're good at blocking up front. What they know is how to screw that up. <laughs> what they know is how to get off of that and completely forget like yes. they don't have this, this great weapon back there. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, the love affair uh, with, with, with Dak Prescott and, you know, and Jason Garrett's got to prove that – you know, Dax the guy, and we gotta we gotta get him over. I mean, I hate to use a a wrestling analogy, but Dak Prescott's turning into the Roman Reigns of the NFL. Oh no, <laughs> he's gonna have to come down with cancer to to get sympathy from the crowd. What's going on? Oh, Dak, come back to us. Oh. And he had some good throws in this game, too. But it was after you set up everything with the great running. It's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to throw the ball when the threat of that running game and the production from that running game is opening up big holes in the passing game. It's a lot easier. Yeah, I think Herm Edwards uh, double coverage in the back of the end zone like he did against the Titans. I think Herm explained what the point of all this is uh, many, many years ago. Hello? You play to win the game. You're not playing to establish Dak Prescott as a great quarterback. You're not playing to establish Amari Cooper. You're playing to win the damn game. Yeah. Win the game. Yeah. Go with yeah, what Jason you, Garrett, you do best. Jason Garrett doesn't win like genius points, right? No. he's He thinks he's one of these quarterback guru, great offensive mind guys, and he's just not. He's a guy. Just a guy. Former NFL backup quarterback. He's yeah. just a guy. Yeah. Oh, uh, I, I finally got an answer to your question of what was my favorite moment of the 
uh, Des Bryant era in New Orleans <laughs> was when Mark Ingram threw up the X after scoring the big touchdown. That was my favorite moment. He had to throw up a tribute to the guy who was on the team for two days. Two whole days. Uh, he was joined by uh, uh, the, the, the the young kid, Alvin Kamara. I keep forgetting his name. Yeah. Um, he, he threw up an X uh, after a touchdown later uh, in the game. Uh, the Saints had a lot of touchdowns to throw up Xs. They, they had, had a lot of, of chances. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no letdown there. No, the Saints look like what I was hoping they would look like. They they look pretty dangerous. Uh, so good that they got the D.C. for Cincinnati Terrell Austin shit can. You know you're good when you're yeah. getting coaches fired in your wake. Yeah. Uh, they had, the right, Saints and then, were, the, uh, uh, and then the, the, the Bengals promptly rehired um, Hugh, Hugh Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. And Which, bring him back oh, in the fold. Okay. That's why uh, somebody had asked what 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 you Jackson was going to bring uh, on Twitter. Somebody had asked what you Jackson was going to bring to the the Bengals, um, and I had I had tweeted back the response. I didn't realize my response went to the Bengals and NFL Network. Uh-oh. My response was he'll be able to show him all the in. He'll be able to take him through all the ins and outs of getting fired. He'll be able <laughs> to guide him through the process. Yes, that's why they brought in Hugh Jackson. Hey hey. He'll be able to he'll be able to soften the blow for his buddy because uh, he's been through it now. These are all of the travel agencies you have to go through when you get fired. <laughs> That's right. Take out your next <laughs> here's vacation. The here's the moving van company. Yeah, he's a good realtor. Uh, she'll, she'll get you the best deal on your house. Yeah, yeah, all that good stuff. Yep. Yeah. Nope, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, so the uh, Falcons defense. Uh, oh, a lack of, a lack of defense. They, they they just didn't show up. They gave up a 92-yard touchdown run in that game they gave up. Oh. Uh, they allowed Baker Mayfield uh, torched him on the, on the throw to a wide-open guy. No, nobody on, on that half of the field for a touchdown in that game. And, and it, Atlanta just didn't show up. And that felt like you would talk about the Chiefs showed up going through the motions expecting to win. Well, their, their, their opponent was bad enough that you could do that. Cleveland – showed a little dangerousness still that if you just show up and expect to beat the Browns, it's not going to happen. Um, that that felt like Atlanta was unprepared. I put that on the coaching. I don't think Atlanta Rivers – Atlanta just didn't show up. Well, Baker Mayfield woke up feeling dangerous that morning, so, you know, there's nothing you can oh. do when that happens. Oh, boy. Uh-huh. He also no, – well, I'd wake up feeling dangerous too, knowing I was going up against that Atlanta defense. That's the thing. He's got, no, the, the he's got nobody left, you know, that had been playing better and uh, just got completely gashed in that game. The, the attrition showed up at the worst possible time for the Falcons, and they were trying to really put together a run to get back in the playoff picture, and this may have uh, knocked them right out of it. Uh, but, yeah, they tried, but it's uh, two games outdoors like that, back-to-back. I had a bad feeling about that. And it, it just wasn't their day uh, at all. And the Browns did whatever they wanted to to the Falcons D. And you never would have thought you'd say something like that. But but that's what happens. All those injuries, you know, eventually yeah. is going to really catch up. The team I want to ask you about is the team that I know you just completely hate and keep picking against. And you're just allowing me to mm-hmm. kind of keep clawing my way back into this here is your Washington Redskins, you know, <laughs> um, 
holding the number was it the number one passing offense in football to three points. Um. However, however, I believe that's the first time in the uh, either the first or the second time in the history of football that a team gained over 500 yards on offense scored only three points. Three points. So back and forth and back and forth. Yeah, Yeah, no, Tampa Bay was definitely moving the ball. I mean, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick went for 400. But it seemed like every time Tampa got into a position to do something, they screwed it up. Turnover Bernie Sanders uh, reared his ugly head. Just kept giving out turnovers to anybody who wanted it. And Jack Wiz Rogers joined the fray by getting a ball poked out of his hand right as he's uh, hitting the the red zone. And uh, they just discovered and invented new ways to give the ball up to to Washington when they got anywhere close to scoring. That was – that was unbelievable. It, it really did fit in the mold of the ugliest playoff football game that we've ever seen because oh, that was ugly in was a different a terrib- way. It was a terrible game, but I know, I know you just you just keep hating so hard on the wash on Washington, and they just keep finding ways to win. I guess they're winning ugly in in their own way too. They are. Yeah, I know. I I'm not buying. I'm still not buying. I'm sorry. And they got a crazy uh, crap schedule too, so they're they're going to keep winning, and I'm going to keep uh, betting against them because I just don't believe in them. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, I Tampa did what I thought they were going to do to them on defense. They just refused to go into the end zone when they had a chance. I, it, I, all I can do is throw my hands up and say, "Hey, that's that's on me for taking the Bucks and trusting in the Bucks." <laughs> Three. I, I just couldn't believe that. 500 yards of offense. In this NFL, points. you got three. The Raiders got six. <laughs> Berga got six points. Yeah. Derek Carr threw a ball into the ground on fourth down at one point. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, he had a I screenplay set up on fourth. In that just, game. Just, yeah. Yeah. It, it, um, I mean, that was – you talk about the Chargers didn't even have to really do much. They just, they just had to show up. We, right. We've reached that point in the season where just showing up against some teams is good enough. Yeah, but that, but that's a new level for the. They, they, Merger keeps reaching new levels. On fourth down, you have a screen that isn't developing, so you just ground it. Um, well, that's first not going to help your call team. Call the screen on fourth down. Well, that's uh, the the terrible coaching. That's that's Merger yeah. right there. Uh, but then, but then you ground it. What what are you doing? What? Yeah, throw some just just throw something up deep and try to get some pi. I mean something. Something, yeah. I, I think no, Derek Carr is completely, completely checked. I don't know if any spread is big enough uh, against Oakland right now. Uh, so that, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, Got to play uh, your your lock, your failed lock, the uh, the Jets uh, as as yeah. the 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 Nathan Peterman. Yeah. Uh, era comes to an end for the Buffalo Bills uh, in very yeah. ignominious fashion. So gotta gotta play some taps for for the career uh, of Nathan Peterman. May he always rest in peace. You get outplayed badly by Matt Barkley. Mm-hmm. You you deserve to get cut. That's basically what that comes down to. And this coach is obviously in love with him. Sean McDermott kept defending, was still defending Nathan Peterman after the game, like saying, yeah, I still believe in him and stuff like that. And the next day he got cut. So 
there's nothing you can do when yeah. every time you take the field, you are throwing interceptions left and right and just – you don't look like you belong on the field. Eventually, even Sean McDermott had to give up on him. Yeah, but on the other side, uh, it's just not working for Todd Bowles. Uh, this is, no, th- that's, th- that's that, over. That team is just awful. The fact that you let Matt Barkley just come in off the street – and play competent NFL quarterback, and you're a defensive coach. This isn't this isn't you know, you're some some quarterback guru, and you lost your quarterback, and you don't know what to do. Todd Bowles, if you can do anything, you can coach defense. You get up 41 points to the Buffalo Bills. 41. A team, a team that had scored one touchdown in the last month. Man, that's uh... 41. Yeah, that, that's definitely, and I, mean, I was a fan of Todd Bowles when he got hired. I thought uh, he was going to be one of those def- defensive coordinators. I was just yeah. waiting for a, a, a job, and he was going to seamlessly come right in. So he may be one of those that he needs a second job to sort of uh, get back on his feet, but this job is over. This is uh, the, the Jets gig is, is, is finished. Uh, it looks like they're going to wait until after the season to, to give him his walking papers, but, yeah, that thing is completely over with. And, and it's sad too because a lot like I I was high on Todd Bowles. Uh, there was there was a period where you know, there were jobs that I was open he would get. I was open he would get the Atlanta job. Thank God he didn't. <laughs> and uh, Chicago, man. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> no, clearly the rolling. trend is away from defensive minded head coaches. And that, now you now the now the trend the cool thing to have. You know, is are these you know quarterback whisperers or these offense or these these young, you know, offensive minded? This is the trend now, so this is what we're going to see. So the Jets are going to probably, you know, they have the young quarterback; they're going to go that way. I think the Browns are going to go that way, and I think the Packers are going to go that way after the season. Uh, none of them can have Matt Nagy. He belongs to Chicago, and and hopefully he and Mitch Trubisky keep this marriage going yeah. for a long, long time. Right. But you got, you know, McVeigh and Peyton and uh, what's his name in San Fr- uh, the Shanahanigans. You got all these yeah. guys now. And th- th- this is the trend. And, 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 the, mm-hmm. and the Todd Bowles and the Hugh Jackson's. The, oh, my God. Yeah, all the defensive yeah. coordinators and defensive minded guys, Mike right. Singletary's and guys like that are sort of a thing of the past. That's why what Tennessee is doing is so curious with Mike Vrabel. Yeah, uh, you just you know he has to bring in somebody with a great offensive mind to help Marcus Mariota because he's not going to help him. Uh, so that that whole thing is predicated on making the you know number two overall draft pick viable, uh, right? And Vrabel isn't going to do that, so he he has to have the guy that's going to do that, and that's one of those things that sets up that you can easily see Vrabel taking Tennessee to uh, sort of the next level, which is you know, deeper into the playoffs than his predecessor. And then after three or four years of knocking on the door, uh, maybe he gets thrown out and whoever is the guy that's getting Mariota closer to being really good, that guy will take over. And then that'll be a new relationship that builds at that point. So, so you're saying he's, he's Doug Collins. Yeah, the the plan A guy. Uh, he, he's not going to get you to plan B, though. You, you need somebody that's going to get you to plan B. But so far, you know, and how much of the, the first half of this season was Mariota with that injury? 
you know, the the and, and the Titans, we, we we said they were winning ugly, and the, they, they, the fact that they were just winning on just sort of like grit and gumption. And the last couple of weeks, the gloves come off Mariota's hand, he's got some zip on his throws, and they've ripped the last two teams they've played. And not not pushover teams. Uh, you know how I feel about that Patriots defense. That was kind of pushovery, the the way they looked well, there. Uh, it's still a team that's 7-3. and three. Terrible on the yeah. road. Which doesn't bode for them well if they are a three seed. I, I don't want to see. Do you want to see the Patriots going into Pittsburgh? Or, I mean, Pittsburgh they probably have no problems with because Mike Tomlin kind of gets the yips when they play the Patriots. But uh, I, I'm sure Andy Reid would love a rematch up in Arrowhead. Oh yeah, that that would be ugly. That would, that would be forty three to seven or something like that. Um. <laughs> uh, Boy, what the 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 Bears? Speaking of uh, Chicago, what how good would they be if their kicker could stop pounding the upright? Uh, if yeah. Cody Park four times was it four times? Yeah, two extra points and two field goals hits the upright in the same game. That's got to be some sort of record. I couldn't take the Bears as my lock, right? I couldn't take the Saints. As yeah. My lock. yeah, don't um, you love it? It's like it's like I got to stop doing this whole genius thing. The Chargers. You, you, oh my God! You had to take McCrown. And did they take the I crown just knew. Lock? I, I did. Well, first of all, I thought it was Peterman, and right. then they didn't. Then it was Barkley. I'm like, really? Okay, and Josh <laughs> McCown. He's he's, a, he's an NFL quarterback. He's had success in this league. And w- which one of them looked like the guy who'd had success in the league? It was Barkley. Because of hashtag anyone but Peterman. Do you think Peterman yeah. did what Bar- would would have done what Barkley did? Of course not. Peterman needs to go to the Raiders, and then all would be right with the world. <laughs> Oh God! Um, you know what? Um, he would be a perfect fit in in in, in certain way. Peterman's going to do the reverse Kurt Warner. He'll now be bagging groceries after being an NFL quarterback. We see what Kurt Warner was doing it the other way. It, he'd probably yeah. do that badly as well. Or he'll end probably... up driving an ice cream truck. <laughs> <laughs> the bagging groceries thing would not go well. He would give it away to somebody else. He would give a yeah. Uh, he'd... he'd put it in the wrong bag. Yes. Paper or plastic, and then he'd put it in the opposite. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, it, it would be that bad. All right, let's get to Thursday night action to start Week Eleven in the NFL tomorrow night. It should be a, a decent game. The Packers and the Seahawks uh, got two. At least you got two championship quarterbacks, championship yeah. QBs, and Rodgers and Wilson. Uh, Green Bay, you got two sort of evenly matched teams when you look at the records. Green Bay at four four and one, and Seattle at four and five. Uh, Green Bay, however, has not won uh, on the road at all this year. They're zero and four, and Seattle hasn't had that many home dates, but they're one and two at home. We know how they can be at home. Uh, the point spread, Vegas. Uh, doesn't think they're as potent at home as they usually are because Seattle is only a two-and-a-half point favorite. Green Bay plus two-and-a-half at Seattle. Jason, who you got? Yeah, I'm going to boil this one down to the running games, and it's not the way you think. I'm looking at the Green Bay Packers are averaging 5.2 yards per carry this year, and Aaron Jones, now that Ty Montgomery has been shuffled off the off the deck, has just been totally taken over. Going up against a Seattle run defense, it's giving up five yards per carry. That's a bad matchup. If Mike McCarthy is smart enough and wants to keep his job, 
just like Jason Garrett. He's not going to try to out-coach himself. They're going to run that ball right down the Seahawks' throat, and I picked the Packers to win. Ah, but the key words that you said there, if Mike McCarthy is smart enough. I know. Is he smart enough? That's the trick. And that's why I will gladly take Seattle uh, and give the two and a half points. I don't think they'll be smart enough, and I think Seattle is doing some running down the throat of their own, and Green Bay doesn't stop the run very well, so I actually have Seattle uh, in that one. So we'll be going against each other on that one. All right, another Thursday. You know, we, we, we've been going against each other on a lot of Thursdays this year. And I've been going heavy at home, and, and, and now this time I'm going on the road. Ah. And on the road against one of the toughest places to play in the whole league. So I, I it's sort of we'll see how that it, works. It, that luster's sort of off. It's not off. It's not what it used to be. That's for sure. Yeah, it's not the it's not the 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 way things used to go. Weird things happen when the the backers play the Seahawks, don't they? I don't think the scab reps will be allowed in the stadium this time. I don't think they're going to be <laughs> the scab a reps or the, or the 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 big comeback like they had like in that last five minutes in that NFC Championship game where the the dude um, blows the onside kick for the Packers and then gets cut. Oh, so oh, yeah. was that Richard Rodgers? I don't think that was Richard Rodgers. But he he stayed on the team. I'm pretty sure for another year. No, it was a it was a guy who. Some I big tight end who should have pulled yeah. it in and didn't. Yeah, because well, no, it wasn't that. Too- he, he he jumped up to try to get the onside kick, and if you look at the replay, Jordy Nelson was pretty much standing right behind him, <laughs> just waiting for the ball to just loftily fall right into his arms, so he could just grab it and fall on the ground and Packers secure the thing. And then you get the Packers guy who just decides that he's gonna try to Superman it and be a hero and totally uh, totally blew it. Totally botched it, yeah. Am I impugning the name of Richard Rodgers by insinuating that he was the guy that botched that? Or? Don't believe that was Richard Rodgers. If it wasn't, I sincerely apologize to anybody who ever cared about Richard Rodgers. Sorry. I'll, I'll look it up here. Packer who blew onside kick. I'll find this one pretty <laughs> easy here. Brandon Bostic was who that was. Wow. So yeah, it, I, it really did come up after. Oh my uh, God. Um, the, the very first, the very first thing. <laughs> Packers yeah. released player responsible for blown onside kick recovery. <laughs> Next one. Brandon Bostic relives the onside kick that forever changed his life. I mean, the first, oh my, every single Every single response to the search on the first page was dead on. You know what that sounds like. An article about that guy or an article about that game. You know what that sounds like. Sounds like a very infamous player. Yeah. Yeah. Someone might find himself uh, in the (laughs) halls of infamy someday. Did not realize he was quite that infamous. But yeah, I was I was surprised when you said you're gonna just type in Packer who blew on sidekick. I'm like, really? That's gonna yeah. I didn't even you? put in like against Seahawks or right. NFC Championship. Playoff I game. just put in. I just typed in Packer who blew onside kick. Hey, I know you. You're a Packer who blew onside kick. <laughs> 
Might as well be his name. Uh, so yeah, okay, so yeah, we're up, we're we're head to head already, you know. And it's, it's a good game. I mean, it's not a good game on like record because the you know, Packers are barely five hundred and the Seahawks are just a game under. It's just those those two teams always seem to have something for each other, you know. Yeah, like I said, they're championship quarterbacks, yep. championship coaches, and they're uh, maybe both franchises may be on the downside of, of those championship windows. But uh, one more time, they're going to lock horns. And, yeah, it's, it should be uh, interesting to watch. It may not be what it once was, but I think it will still be uh, some compelling football. Yeah, we could do worse for a Thursday night game for sure. We have many, many times already this season. So, so not not the worst way to get our week started. And next week's Thanksgiving, so you know, next week we get the God already the triple gobble. Already getting ready for the triple gobble, and that Thursday nighter uh, should be a barn burner as well. So, yeah, already looking forward that, to that. that. That's not exactly going the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, we were hoping for. Um, you know, I was I was really you know hoping Atlanta would have bounced out of that at five and four one this week potentially and, and set up an, an actual, you know, matchup that would have possibly meant something. Yeah. But even still, you know, uh, when they get on the field against the Saints, they're, they're going to put on a hell of a show. They should. Yeah. I mean, it, those two teams have always um, played each other tough. I mean, this goes, you know, cause that, 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 that is the blood rivalry in the South. And it always has been, even when those two teams were in the same division when they were in the NFC West. That's always been the rivalry. Yeah, it's going to be good. I think it's going to be a good one. All right. It might, even if it's a blowout in the fourth, even if if the Saints win by twenty-one, I think it'll still be entertaining for three quarters at least. Yeah. As I probably have, give my pick away. There are some whoo boy terrible games this week. Tampa, Tampa, New York, Giants, Oakland, Arizona. Oh my God! I mean, well, toss up. Do you prefer this, a, a week of dogs against dogs like this, or a week like last week where it was a bunch of potential blowouts? I, I don't know which is worse. Outside of those two games, though, almost every other game has has some merit, but those two really stand out. Those are bad. Oh, that's bad football. Yeah, Tampa Giants and uh, uh, Oakland Arizona. That's about as bad as it gets. Yeah, I guess the other games aren't do- aren't complete dogs. Uh, yeah, but it, it doesn't really inspire me. Like Tennessee Indy is mildly interesting. Uh, we we talked a little bit about it earlier. Well, that's a yeah, that's a big division matchup. So that's that, that's a good game. And then Houston, Washington. This is my Washington disrespect again. I don't think that's a, a huge game, even though, even though they're both six and three. <laughs> well, it's okay. It's not you. It's not just you because Washington right now is sitting as a home dog in that game. Even though they're six and three. <laughs> yeah. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> yeah, six and three home dog Washington Redskins this week. And then Cincinnati and Baltimore is like. Ugh. like First of all, we don't know hey, yeah. who's, who's playing quarterback. Apparently, Joe Flacco is a lot more hurt than they're, they've been letting on. He busted his hip, is what I yeah. hear. He's, he's, he's got the bleeding? life alert bracelet now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, 
It's going to need a cane to get around. So, so that, that might be we the... need to get. That's that. We we need that one. <laughs> I'm having chest pain. Uh, so, and it's not, but it's not necessarily. This is the only thing that's intriguing about that match. It's not going to necessarily be Lamar Jackson that steps in for Baltimore if Joe Flacco cannot go. They're actually contemplating Robert Griffin III to get that start. Oh, what they, they do, sign Stony Case back off the street? <laughs> I mean, come on. They don't want to trust Lamar Jackson with the, with the start as a rookie like this. So, the, But that might be playing into what I was talking about before uh, and on the last show. That might be a, a situation of they've given Lamar Jackson all this stuff on his plate trying to run him as a receiver and an option wildcat, this, that, and the other, that maybe they don't trust him to be a quarterback because they haven't had him just learning how to be a quarterback. And now here they are, and they need a quarterback, and they don't trust him to be the guy. So now they might have to go to RG3. And that's on, that's coaching, too. That's on John Harbaugh if he's not ready. You, he's, it's been a half a year. People no. start rookies on opening day now. You've had this guy half a year, and, and you don't have him ready to start. You don't trust him enough, even though you drafted him in the first round. I think that's a coaching failure myself. Yeah, this guy was supposed to be, you know, that was this was the big talk when they drafted him, that they were drafting the heir apparent to Joe Flacco. And we're in week 11? And you still don't think he's ready to go. You're, you're well, talking about starting the Derrick Rose of, NF, of the NFL? Oh, he's going to take two steps and blow his knee out again. Um, and... It's just rumor at this point that they're going to start him. I'm just going off of some yeah. things I've been reading on, he's, on, he's on the world roster. and stuff. I mean, he's there. He's there. He's active. Uh, and and some writers thought that he actually play outplay Lamar Jackson in preseason as well, going back a ways. But uh, the 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 seed has been planted. If uh, if they don't start Lamar Jackson, it won't be a complete surprise. But uh, he should be the guy after Flacco. You, you draft him in the first round. He should be the guy. Absolutely. You got to see what you have. I mean, John Harbaugh is probably gone as well. Um, we're we're going to have some. We're going to have some turmoil. We, we always have that, though. You always sort of have that Black Monday right after the season's over. Yeah, there, there's going to be some veterans and some some really successful guys that are going to be on the market. It, it would it would look like. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, the way it always seems like, though, it's that these coaches get fired and then they just sort of end up, the deck just gets reshuffled and these guys all just kind of swap teams. Usually. Um, but yeah. with these, with it being a copycat league with all these young guns coming in, mm-hmm. uh, if if one of them breaks through and, like, wins the title this year, like, say, uh, Sean McVay and the Rams do much better than I think they will in the playoffs and they go all the way and win the title – there might be a new flood of offensive-minded young kids that get hired, and, and maybe the, the recycling won't be happening. Maybe these old guys will have to sort of take a back seat. Yeah, I think it's real hard right now to think that the Rams are still the favorite in the NFC because I, I don't think they match up well with a lot of these potential playoff teams. Even no, if they're game... at home. We, we saw Atlanta go in there last year and run and hide from them. It, it, you know, and so that run defense isn't just a new problem for them. And the inexperience isn't a new problem either because the Falcons, all they did was play like a team that's played a playoff game before in the Rams that yeah. time. Yeah, no, they're, they're, they're going to run up against – it'd be an, some interesting potential matchups, you know, uh, whether they play the, the, the Saints or the Vikings or the Bears. Uh, the Bears are starting to make some hay. So we'll see. 
I I can't be impartial looking at Chicago. I can't think of them as a playoff team because my Bears inner they're Bears fan in me wants to uh, wants to say no, it's fake. They're they're not they're not that good. Uh, it's going to fall apart in the second half. Just watch. Uh, you know, I, no, I have to. I I don't know if for sure they're going to hold on and win the division, but they're they're good enough to go to the playoffs and they have a, a schedule where they have some teams that they'll play they're, they'll they've they've got seven games left just looking at the schedule they should i i bet they'd win four of them they get to 10 they're going to the playoffs can they keep playing teams with terrible coverage and tackling skills like the lions uh can we keep well, playing they play them the lions on thanksgiving uh, they played the lions on All thanksgiving right. they follow that up by going to the giants Oh boy! Well, uh, they also have the Forty ers on their schedule. So, some so that's three. I'd look at this Bears team <laughs> and just say that's three on paper that they would win. They have to get one more win out of two Minnesota matchups, the Rams and the Packers. Uh, there's they just, not. There's, there's no they win there, one so. of them. They're just saying they got to right. win one. A one in three. And take care of your business against the bad teams. They win ten games. They're going to the playoffs if they win ten games. Now, I'll I'll agree with you that I see a path. We'll, okay, we'll <laughs> you'll give me you'll at least give me that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I can't give you I, any I, more. I, than I, I know you don't want to get over excited because your homerism will 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 cloud your judgment. But someone who hates the Bears isn't myself there's definitely a, a pathway there for them. And <laughs> what will sting for them will be like that first loss, you know, that, that loss against the Packers or that loss against the games that they, the Packer game that they had won. Oh boy. You know, to have, to have that come up and jump up and bite them in the ass. And then this, we'll see this game coming up on, on, on Sunday night. Um, I want to see how Kirk I, Cousins acquits himself against that Bears defense. I have no idea which way I'm going in that one right now. I, I, Vikings, <laughs> Bears, I, I could really go either way on that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would be stunned if – I wouldn't be stunned. I'm not saying I'm giving away a pick here or anything, but I wouldn't be stunned if that went a home and away split. The Bears do play – better at home they're clearly oh yeah that, that defense gets more rabid against the you know with those home with those home fans behind them Trubisky's a lot more comfortable um very interesting I'm sure we'll be highlighting that one there's some highlight potential in a lot of games this week I mean there's your two big primetime games you've yeah, got the two night games, say, certainly. you got those two six and three matchups uh with Houston Washington that that's that it's got potential for a highlight type game um, I, I don't know how much I want to talk about Eagle Saints. <laughs> um, yeah, that should not be competitive, really. Yeah, but I, I hate to say after those two big uh, after those two big uh, primetime games, the best game remaining on paper on the schedule is Texans Redskins. Uh, I got three days to sort of gird my loins and prepare to break down <laughs> Texans and Redskins. Don't know how I'm going to do it. You're not looking forward to it. I'm not looking forward to it. Not, not at all. Uh, do you have anything else about uh, about week ten here? Uh, no. Uh, on that. It, was, it, was a, it 
just glad to to actually you know get a get a game up on you. It's been it, it's been a tough year trying to you know get that trying to in my in my dash trying to get back to five hundred here. You have uh, crawled to within four games of five hundred now at seventy yeah. seventy four and four. So climbing up out of the uh, out of the cellar. Um, I'm at eighty two sixty two and four. Um, believe I was I started last week. I think I was fourth. Uh, in the fan uh, picking contest on pickwatch.com. Uh, and I don't think I, if I fell, it wasn't very far because it was one of those weeks that nobody else got more than, than uh, what, by seven and six. I don't think anyone else got more than like eight or nine or something like that. And there was only a few of those, a few people that got that. So uh, where, wherever I landed, it's not too far away. So I'm still, I'm pretty sure I'm still in the top 10 there. So, Still scratching away at that, so just trying to trying to hang on and put on, put together a kick late and see if I can uh, scratch my way to number one by by week seventeen. Yeah, and you know it's a special week as far as those spreads were going, where a seven keeps you keeps you moving. Yeah, I know. Uh, nobody was getting a, a ten or eleven uh, and, uh, with that particular slate of games. It was too many weird results for for that to happen. It just this goes to show you, you know, I feel like I'm having a super shit year here, and I'm still crawling right around sort of what we always consider that gold standard at 500. But that just goes to you know that you're having. We've had a one hell of a first ten weeks. Yep, I'm I'm still five uh, after last week, so yeah, seventy eight on that side. Six, huh? Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh... It was a it was a crazy week, and I, I feared the worst, but it wasn't nearly as bad as as, I, as it could have been. And and I'm very like I said, I'm very pleased to at a seven and six because it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm expecting uh, to be good for Saturday this week. I don't think you don't know if you have any Saturday conflicts or. No, Saturday should be good. Um, it was, How was uh, your Grizzlies game? I was just about to bring up that we wound up not even going to the game on oh. Saturday because what happened was the wife picks up the tickets. These are tickets that were being given to my wife by uh, some organization that she works with, with her job. She works for a nonprofit and sometimes you get uh, some tickets thrown at you here and there. And you say, thank you. Just for instance, uh, earlier last week, we had uh, uh, tickets to a Memphis Tigers game that, for college basketball, and that was in a suite. That was in a private suite. So that we had to go to that because that's a that's a suite for God's sake. So well, yeah. we definitely went to that. We definitely enjoyed that. And so my wife gets the tickets for the uh, Saturday Grizzlies game. First of all, the first, before she's noticed what section or anything, she noticed the price that was on the tickets, and it was four dollars. And we're like, that's not a good sign. These probably are not very good tickets. And sure enough, when she looked them up online, they were basically like a, a row or two away from the last seat in the house. And we were like, that's not really worth it. Um, as much as we wanted to see the Sixers and Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and whatnot, that's not really what. Because you got to first of all, you got to pay for the parking. You got to get downtown. You got to pay the twenty dollars to park. Uh, it's Memphis is not, you know, really a major league city. So $20 is a bargain because if you go to a game in Chicago, you're probably paying $40, $50 to park. But uh, even so pay $20 to park for a $4 ticket is sort of not really worth the the price of admission. 
So uh, you can call us snobs if you want, but I think with, at this point we're only going to games if it's a really, really huge game and we, we might have crap tickets for that. Or if it's a regular season game, we got to have like really great seats, like really close to the court or in a suite or something like that. Otherwise yeah. it's just not, it's just not worth the hassle. And a few shows ago, I had gone Nostra Thomas and, and claimed I had seen that Jimmy Butler got traded. I must have seen the future. <laughs> Well, you had seen all the things that he was doing to try to get his ass triggered, and and sure enough, it Which finally was happened. Like everything, I mean, everything. You just, yeah, you have yeah. never seen a guy try so hard to get his ass traded, and it finally yeah. happened. So, Le'Veon Bell got nothing on him. <laughs> no kidding. That, but all Le'Veon Bell had is, is a holdout. He showed his ass up to work. True. I mean. You show up and you're waving the towel with the opposing uh, fans, so that's you know you're there, but you're not there. You know what I mean? You're kind of there, but you're not really there. So I don't know. I don't know which is worse. <laughs> Got to ask a professional. But yeah, let me know. He's done. And if you're a team, are you are you throwing a pile of cash at him? Uh, certainly not a pile of cash. No. Um, now I'm done. He's still a great running back, but he's not someone you can really trust on your team because you don't know when he's going to just be out to lunch and, and decide to be well, yeah, on you. Gonna be, is he going to drag your locker room down? I mean, is he going to just, you know, yeah, you, you, who knows what you're going to get? Might pull a Jimmy it's Butler a- and say, I'm practicing when I feel like it, and if I don't feel <laughs> like it, I'm just not going to practice. Yeah. He might pull so- one of those. Steelers are uh, glad not to have to deal with that anymore, I guess. The, did you see that today that the uh, the Steelers players sort of like ransacked his locker? Oh, no, I missed that, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that happened today. That was in the news that the Steelers players ransacked uh, good old Le'Veon Bell's locker. Where we see where's see- the... That's a, that continues the sort of assault on Le'Veon Bell's character that happened all year from the Steelers' locker room, and I still find that strange because don't it, is am I crazy? Isn't it always when you have a player versus management dispute that the players take the side of the player that they're all understanding that they're all just looking for the same thing, which is to get as much financial security as you can while you're playing mm-hmm. because your career is only so long. But all these players on the Steelers that immediately slam Le'Veon Bell and say he's being selfish, he doesn't uh, respect you know the game or anything like that, that just seems so strange to me. That, that's one of the oddest things I will ever see, to, to have a, a seemingly an entire locker room of players go against a player inside with management. That just felt very odd the whole time. And ransacking is that that to me, I guess that means that there was some personal animosity there, that there was something about him specifically that they didn't like. Because I don't think they would be like that for any other player that is trying to get as much money as he can. Because, like I said, they're all on the same page when it comes to that. But for this guy, from the moment he held out, they were all like, oh, he's just, uh, he doesn't appreciate us, he doesn't understand what's going on. He needs to be here for the team. And if he's not, then the hell with him. God, the, the whole thing was just weird. Yeah. You know, and you know, the, I, I think that the attitude of the team sort of reflects the attitude of the coach. That, that's an attitude I'd expect from Mike Tomlin. Certainly. So I, I think agree. that, you know, that's sort of, you know, he controls that locker room. I mean, he, 
he definitely commands the respect to his team. And if that's the message that he's sending through the team and, and they, they're buying into it, then I, I can definitely see that response because, you know, that I, I'm not, I don't think Mike Tomlin's the greatest NFL coach, but he's definitely got some, you know, he's got the leadership ability. He can definitely get a group of men going in the right direction. Um, whether you like him or not, you know, I think he's, I think he's a bit of a jackass when it comes to, uh, some of his statements, <laughs> uh, but but at least he's more watchable than Belichick. So I you know I, I give him I give him that. So I don't have to agree with everything he says or the way he goes about things. But no, I think that though that attitude of those players is a di- direct reflection of their coach. Uh, not, and I don't think so. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Right. Yeah, we're we're just on to Cincinnati. That's all. That's all we care about in this <laughs> locker room. We're just yeah. So you think it's just that simple? Is it just the players are just reflecting the attitude of the coach? Uh, do you I, think okay. if that was? Uh, do you think if there was a like if, if that was uh, a, a different? In fact, that was Pete Carroll. Do you think it would be the same? I don't. Uh, I, I can I, see. I can right. see some yeah. more solidarity. Oh, whoa! <laughs> I, I, I won you over on this one. Okay. I can't think of any other real reason for the players to be that subtly against another player like that. Uh, so yeah, yeah I, that makes as much sense as anything, I suppose. Yeah, because that's if that's because if that's Tomlin's attitude, then he's driving that through the assistant coaches and the running back coach and the quarterback. I mean, you just think about it that 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 he that's his team and that's his locker room, and it became us versus him. It be you know, and then Le'Veon Bell clearly became the the bad guy or the scapegoat. Or, you know, the thing for them to pour all their negative feelings. Oh, if they lost a game, it was because of Le'Veon Bell. It wasn't because of anything bad that the Steelers did, which means now they won't have that excuse anymore. Or they, they still might, they may still fall on it, but now there's no not knowing. He's not there. He's definitely not there. But that I... rallying cry around that Steeler team was in all the ills, and then open, and the things were going well. It was, aha, yeah, look what we got. We were doing it without Le'Veon Bell. We got James Conner and Baby Terminator. He's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I will never forget that celebration around James Conner when he scored the, the first touchdown of the season. And all oh, the yeah. offensive linemen rallied around him as if he was uh, the Wizard of Oz. And they were just... <laughs> Welcome to Oz. We found yeah. him. We found the great wizard. It, it was just always odd to me. But yeah, there's, there, I don't know what's going on in that locker room. There was something, there was some real deep seated animosity there towards Le'Veon Bell and what he was doing. I'm, I'm sure there's a tell all book or two that's waiting to come out about the whole thing. Yeah. So does that mean if you win, if you win this pick thing that you're in, you can change yourself. You can change your name to be the wizard of odds. I guarantee you that's taken on Twitter and you Instagram. Better jump and up, and if it's not, jump up and grab that quick. Was that a wizard good one of I, I? I promise you that's been taken. <laughs> I guarantee you. <laughs> the, the URL is probably taken. Wizardofodds.com. In fact, I'm going to go look You're it up. You're going to look right it up now. right now. I promise you, it's taken. All of that. Or there's some guy out there who who thinks that he's the uh, the best at picking games. The Wizard mm-hmm. of Odds. I'm looking this up. Wizardofodds.com is oh taken. My God. Yes, it is. Uh, oh, there is a guy. There's an actual guy. Uh huh. Oh wait. Oh, okay. 
He stole the title from somebody else. What a dick. <laughs> wow. Well, I don't know about okay. that. It's a casino drama, it's but... a casino gambling guy though. He's he uh he basically is uh talking about like mathematics of gambling, like counting cards and shit like that. Yes, that's what the uh, the URL is. Is wizardofodds.com and it's about uh, gaming odds and strategies yes. and game crabs roulette, but not picking football games. So steal it back. Steal it from him. I I see you sports betting. I see <laughs> okay. sports betting listed as as part of his, his all these card games and then there's sports betting sort of shoved in there. So I, he's trying to cover that as well. I'm not going to click on it because I'm not. I've, I've already given him more press than he deserves. But okay. Fair enough. But I figured all of that was someone already thought Damn. they were the wizard thought of odds. I thought I was being clever and I'd help you out. No, that it was clever. It's just that I'm sure a million people thought of it before. But no, it, it, I'm, it, it makes sense. Wizard of odds. I am the wizard. I am the king of all odds. No, that, that's we. There's plenty of, uh, of original hashtags and things that we come up with that we could uh, we could yeah, use like to get ourselves over. Yeah, we, we've come up with some good ones. Murga is <laughs> should be trending with the way that the Raiders uh, are going. Ooh. I don't know how much we put Murga up on stuff or hashtag full of quit. Yeah, I don't know if you put Murga up if people would even get it. You kind of you almost have to explain it because otherwise you, people think you're just uh, trying to talk about MRSA that the, the Raiders have a infection going through their locker room and you just spelled it wrong or something. Or or that we're just like dyslexic Trump fans. <laughs> he said Murga. He's trying to say MAGA. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, uh, it's a lot of uh, websites and people out there making names for themselves and all those tout guys – they probably are the ones that are trying to fight over Wizard of Odds and, and, and names like that and, and trying to go back and forth with, with different websites and handles and things like that. Uh, I, I don't want to even be in that uh, fight because there's a lot of, I'm sure there's a lot of backstabbing and a lot of bad things being said. Like, can you imagine if you're, if, if you're a professional tout guy out in Vegas, how many other guys that you're competing with and the bad things that you have to say about other guys in order to uh, get people to not follow them and try to follow you, the, all the, all, all the uh, things that go on out there. I, I can only imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, when you, I remember just driving on like driving to work and I, especially when I lived in Chicago and I'd be listening and there was always some different tout service talking about the, you know, call in now and you're going to get the guaranteed winner for the week and blah, blah, blah. But you never heard like the same place <laughs> weeks in a row, always a different agency. Hmm. It, it seemed like you were never calling in. I not that I ever called, but it was always like it was a different tout agency almost like every week. And how many signs did we did we see out when we were out in Vegas uh, a couple of years ago? That everywhere you looked, there was a sign for a different tout guy, and he, he's the one that really knows all the answers. So yeah. They're buying billboards. And, <laughs> like, how do you know who to how how do you trust one guy over the other? How do you possibly differentiate? It's it's, it's weird. You know, it, it's you almost don't. like the it's almost like the fantasy expert guys. That, uh, 
you know, oh, have different podcasts and stuff yeah, no. that are all saying some version of the same thing. You know, that Alex Rodriguez guy, he's really good. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so did you, uh, speaking of that, baseball, so you, mm-hmm. were, were you uh, down with the Otani winning rookie of the year? <laughs> uh, as we know, we don't really. I have mixed feelings really on it. I, I just have mixed oh, feelings. I'm, I know how you feel about the guy that you. And not that, that I don't was. think it, but I didn't think he did enough for a guy who's basically been playing professional ball for the last few years that he should have gotten it over somebody who was there all year and did it all year and was truly a rookie. Well, now we're going. That's another part of the uh, argument. Is now you're going back to the Ichiro thing. That how much of a rookie was he when he was yeah. 28 years old and coming over? He, he and wasn't, but he dominated the whole season. He, he like, okay, guys, just give it to the guy, right? <laughs> Otani played maybe half the season, maybe. But you have to look at what he did in that half a season. Oh, sure, you one hell of half of a season, sure trailblazing and, and hadn't been done since the days of Babe Ruth. I mean, come on. Yeah. That's why I said I have mixed feelings because the, you know, what he did in the talent and yes, it was, it was, it was amazing to watch. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him because I was a fan of what he was doing. I wasn't necessarily yeah. a fan of the way he was being used by Mike Socia. No, but... he got, he got grossly mismanaged. The fact that they brought him back to blow out his yeah. arm was a travesty. His arm was clearly not right. And instead of just let's be careful and let's, you know, hold hold him out a little longer and examine this thing a little more. Oh, he says he feels good. (laughs) All right. Let's throw him out there. Oh, yeah. Sickening. Yeah. We talked about that on the show when it happened, because that was that, that one move they should have just fired Mike Sosha right there. If there was any doubt about his job, that was the one that sealed it. Yeah, no, that that's that that is without a doubt. But apparently, he's going to be back as sort of like a full time DH next year. He has to because he can't pitch. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> yeah, it's when we said that uh, you know I thought at some point the league was going to adjust or he'd be forced to choose. Well, he he was forced to choose what he's going to be. <laughs> yeah, no choice. Yeah, and also you blew out his arm, so he can't go out and play right field, um, and show off all the defensive wizardry that he that he's capable yep. of, and the throwing guys he out. Really and it, yeah, he's just gonna go out there and hit, and I'm sure he's gonna rake. Mm-hmm. The kid can hit and steal oh, bases. Yeah. I mean, he yeah, and he used to be able to pitch very well. Yeah, which, which brings <laughs> up an interesting proposition in our in our fantasy league because they treated Otani as two separate players like you could own. But so the team that had him got to keep him as both a pitcher and a hitter. Well, his pitcher is going to get thrown back. So the guy will still have the hitter and then people will be bidding like a dollar on Otani, the pitcher. It's going to be so strange. Just this whole situation. I, I, I had advocated for he's eligible for both. And you just have to pick where he is so he can be one or the other. But the whole idea that he's technically two separate players, and you could have him on two separate teams. You could. The pitcher yeah, that's, could that's, that's give how... up a home run. At least you can't give up a home run to himself. No, that he can't do. <laughs> My 
God. He's, he's, he's not literally two different pe- uh, people. No, yeah. that's how Yahoo did it in, in their fantasy league this year. And I had them. I had both players. And, oh, okay. Uh, which explains why out of 12 teams, I believe I finished 10th. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, uh, yeah, I should look and see. That's what I do. That I, had I Otani. Where did the team that had Otani finish in our league this year? Um, I, I ruin guys. It's what I do. <laughs> you ruin you ruin people. I do. When I, when I pick them up on my fantasy team, they all of a sudden um, get catastrophic injuries. One, two, three, four, five, six, uh, seventh actually. So seventh uh, place for the team in our league that had Otani. Well, they did better than I did. Okay. Although I had them both, I didn't have uh, one or the other. Yeah, no, that team had both. Oh, okay. Because he, he drafted him as a rookie or as a you know as a player coming over from Japan, and he was basically forced to choose like you've got first dibs on him, you can keep him, but you have to take up two roster spots to to roster this guy. To keep uh, him and he kept them both. I see. I would have too. Uh, he he was he was that highly touted as uh, both a hitter and a pitcher. And yeah, I remember spring training that it was really a question of whether the hitting would come along because he looked so bad in spring training. Um, and then I don't know what happened. The light flipped and he wound up jacking everything out of sight uh, when the, when the regular season started. Uh, so yeah, I, we don't really regard the real awards uh, as very highly on this show. I think we both no. sort of feel the same way that they're just kind of there and, and the, the writers are the ones who decide who deserves what and who doesn't. It doesn't really matter how good you are. Um, I thought you were going to ask me about the two pitchers uh, being nowhere near the playoffs, getting Cy Young awards and how weird that was. Uh, oh, I was I, okay with both of those guys though. I was too. They were awesome, but yeah. Usually they base those awards on who was the almost you know who was the best pitcher on successful teams, uh, which would make Blake Snell ineligible because yeah. the Tampa Bay Rays uh, did not make the playoffs, and will make Jacob Degrom ineligible because the Mets yeah. were completely terrible. I think the fact that both of those teams were so bad and those pitchers were so good on those bad teams and got the amount of wins that they got the numbers on Degrom were ridiculous. They had gone through statistics. Like if he got three runs of support in every game all year, he would have been like 29 and three, you know, some (laughs) ridiculous number like that. If these teams just scored three and if I think if he only got two runs of support, he still would have won 24 or 25 games. He was that dominant. No, both of those guys deserved the award because they had to transcend their shitty teams. Sure. And I mean, look at the look was... at the Rays. He, he was like, was he their only starter? It felt like it. It felt like every other start was, <laughs> it was, was a bullpen Snell day and bullpen dudes. You know, <laughs> God. Just the fact that he didn't succumb to that madness. He was too good, apparently, to succumb to that. Everybody else, you suck. No, and and, and it's gone more that way. And this is where I'm not always on board with, you know, the the, the sabermetric guys and the guys who all think they're smarter than you because they have a calculator and can figure out stats and they come up with all these ridiculous stats that sometimes just don't mean anything. That's where the, like the old school new school comes in and I'm kind of like stuck in the middle. Cause there's, I, I, I see some good things about both and yeah, that, that 
you've seen like Felix Hernandez win the Cy Young on a what he won what twelve games, right? Right. So yeah, I, I think it's gone more that way. Where some of the positive side is that the players who don't just get automatically looked at because they're the best pitcher on the best team or on a team that made the big playoff push, you know, those guys can get, especially more for the Cy Young. I still think the MVP skews more towards the good teams, but for the Cy Young, I think it's a little easier because you could be a dominant pitcher on a really bad team and, and the stats will, it, it's easier, I think, to win that award than it is to win the MVP on a bad team. Yeah, I, I suppose that's true. Uh, but one of those guys that you uh, say is, thinks he's smarter than everybody else because he has a calculator, Joe Sheehan, I remember him tweeting, I think, yesterday, uh, something along the lines of uh, those guys that won the Cy Young owe all the stat heads uh, for the last 30 years uh, long apologies because that's who won, uh, who decided that they were good enough to win Cy Young awards, because this is, really is sort of sabermetrics, uh, letting you know who's better and who's best. And it did start with, it sort of started with Felix Hernandez. I, I still remember how surprising yeah. that was that he won the Cy Young, despite having only 13 wins or however many 13, it was. Yeah, it wasn't many, but he was just dominant. I mean, he was. And, and Snell and DeGrom were both completely dominant. If they were on they, good they teams, were. it would have been a no-brainer. Um, harder though, like, like I said, MVP is so hard. Like that NL MVP, um, you know, it was bouncing around, and all of a sudden, it was like in the last three weeks of the season. Then all of a sudden, it, oh no, it's Yelich. Although you hadn't heard a whisper about him up until he had that second cycle uh, against the Reds, that was the moment when all of a sudden everybody was, oh, well, we get, well, let's give it to him. It was always just sort of this: we're just going to give it to the guy of the moment. That just shows you how weak the NL was. Uh, for MVP. <laughs> yeah, if they had a Mike Trout in the National League, then yeah. that wouldn't have happened. Right. And there just isn't one of those in the National League right now. Right. So we know what that's all about. Yeah. So whoever had the whoever had the most recent good game is now going to be the MVP in the National League. If there was a Mookie Betts over there, they we wouldn't be having that conversation. <sighs> Or just the yeah, because he's he's they haven't announced that yet, right? No, but he's going to win it. But he's a shoe in. I mean, he's got to yeah. be a shoe in. When when JD Martinez didn't get on the ballot, that was just him. Just give him the <laughs> award. Why would you even nominate three guys? Because the guy who was going to give him the hardest time and block the path potentially was if you had two guys from the same team. I mean, Mookie Betts yep. is probably going to get almost every if he doesn't get every first place vote. He gets they eliminated that conflict. He got rid yeah. of that potential conflict that right off the bat. Convenient because that seemed like that was being the race that was shaping up, and then they just left JD Martinez completely off the ballot. Yeah, let, let, let's not confuse things. Let, let's just make this yeah. as seamless as possible. Yeah. Like we all know, Mookie Betts is the MVP, so let's just make this easy. All right, guys. <laughs> let's not muddy the waters. Yeah. Exactly. All right, so I don't uh, think I have too much anything else. I, I can't believe I made it this far as as tired yeah. as I am. So I, well, I think we, I did we well. started at nine, which was a very good thing. I'm not used to starting at nine on a Wednesday, so the fact that we can both get to bed at respectable times is very nice. Yes, yes, and, and so, right. Keep snowing in Memphis. 
<laughs> well, uh, next, of, of course, next week with the Triple Gobble is always on Tuesday. We're, we're not available Wednesday nights before Thanksgiving. We're busy getting ready for, for the big day. Right. So. And I actually definitely... have a long day of work on Wednesday, um, followed up then by Thanksgiving, and then a longer day of work on Friday. So that's going to have to be a Saturday show. And I'm always – so those Saturday shows for me after Black Friday weekend are always a, a treat because <laughs> I am so loopy by, by, the, by the end of the night on Saturday after working like 15 hours the day before. And then mm-hmm. getting right back up and going back to work again on Saturday. So, yeah, that's always that's always a treat uh, for me. Yep, you'll you'll have your drink next to you and probably a couple before yeah. we even go on the air. And... Probably that would be a safe safe bet. Those are <laughs> those are some fun shows because those are like I don't even remember any of those <laughs> shows. I'm so tired. So, all right, we're head to head tomorrow night, and there's there's a hook, so there's no uh, no push. No pushing allowed. Yes, it'll be pretty much a straight up win. I can't imagine uh, Seattle winning by one or two. That would that would really be funny. But uh, yeah, it'll be. I'll be okay with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you would. So no, Packers Seahawks uh, head to head pretty much, and uh, we'll see how that turns out. One of us will get our week started uh, in a very good way, and the other one will have to battle from behind. But we're kind of used to that. We've been uh, splitting up of these Thursday nighters, I believe. I think you've gotten the better of me on Thursdays this year so far, but we have definitely disagreed on a lot of Thursday games yeah. this year. But I th- yeah, I, I've got a feeling that you've had a few more than me, which was why last week felt so good uh, getting that big win on that Thursday night. Yeah, but I'm scrolling up, and, uh, yeah, I, I do have a few more than you, but uh, you got a couple – on me this year, you got the uh, the Houston one over the Dolphins in Week Eight, which was another. Embarrassment. Oh, yeah, I could forget that game. And then last week was even more of an embarrassment because that wasn't bad enough. Then the Steelers just completely wasted the Panthers. Oh, it, that's the type of thing that makes you not want to ever take a road team on Thursday night because that that was just <laughs> terrible. Panthers are playing so well going into that and just played like crap. That was that was yeah that was a tough one and that that yeah that never went well. I mean the the Panthers get that first touchdown and then oh one play later touchdown for the Steelers oh wait another play after that touchdown for the, it just yeah the wheels just came off of that thing. Sometimes that, that it just goes that way like you thought you highlighted that on the the Titans and the, the Patriots. Sometimes the first few plays of the game or yeah. the first couple possessions set the tone for the whole game and the team just can't recover. Yeah, I uh, showing how sleepy I am. I it reminded me of a very weird analogy. I knocked over a bottle off the the table uh, one morning, and it was a, a, some barbecue sauce that my wife had bought at the at the fresh marketplace. So it was glass. You rarely have glass Ooh. bottles anymore. Everyone makes plastic, and yeah. it hit the it hit the carpet. And you didn't think it hit so soft that I didn't think anything of it. And then you hear the gl- 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 and I'm like, oh the- no! Yeah. So just one little crack, and there goes everything out of the bottle. And and those, those those are some of those Thursday night games. One little crack, and there goes everything. And next thing you know, you're getting blown out fifty two. Well, hopefully that doesn't happen to the Packers tomorrow night. You know, I have not been all over them this year, so the fact that I'm taking oh, them, that might that that should scare you. You're on a Mike McCarthy death watch, so yeah. 
That's what I've been calling it, yeah. <laughs> I'm, ho- I'm hoping you'll be right tomorrow night. <laughs> oh, right. you're, okay, you're talking about my McCarthy hate. You're hoping yes. I'm right about. Yeah, if I'm on the show swearing up and down about Mike McCarthy <laughs> needs to be fired now, then you'll know that this did not go well for me tomorrow night. What do you, you mean, rest- eight rushing attempts for the whole game? <laughs> Aaron Jones had eight carries for 15 eight carries yards? carries for what? 92 yards, and they <laughs> gave up on him. Oh, boy. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that all shakes out. And we'll be back Saturday night. At least that's what we're planning on. Saturday night at 9 p.m. Central, 10 p.m. Eastern to pick the rest of Week 11 in the NFL and getting ready for Thanksgiving next week. Boy, it, it's coming fast. I know it's the earliest possible Thanksgiving that you can have. So yeah, it, it's just like what? Oh, it's like like less like in a week we're going to Thanksgiving dinner. Okay. It's and crazy. I knew that when the, I knew that when the month began, and it still yeah. feels like it's coming. It, up no, it's just time. this is this is so weird. I mean, just having it this early. Um, yeah. You know, there's only seven possible days, right? Mm-hmm. That Thanksgiving can be. But this is the earliest one, and you only get this once, you know, once a decade almost. Mathematically, this is the earliest. So, yeah, but like I said, I knew that, and it's still kind of sneaking up on us. So. Yeah, especially, well, last year was on the 28th, so we went from having the latest possible Thanksgiving to the earliest possible Thanksgiving, like, the very next year. So, <sighs> The circle of life. All <laughs> right, we... we We'll be back on Saturday night to pick the rest of week 11 in the NFL. He's Jay. I'm Dre. This has been in much less detail, the podcast. Thank you all for listening and come back to us live Saturday night, week 11 in the NFL. We'll talk to you then. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.